TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning. This is the morning news with Nancy and Jason on WILK. We're happy to have Dr. Denise Johnson, Pennsylvania's physician general, with us to discuss the COVID-19 vaccine. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Johnson. My pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about vaccine hesitancy, which uh, a common question that we get is, why would I get a vaccine if I'm at low risk for serious issues from COVID? Now, seeing that the FDA has okayed the Pfizer vaccine for kids age 12 to 15, how do you answer a question like that? These are people least likely to have serious problems from COVID. So why should they get vaccinated? Well, that's a great question. I think that um, there is concern that the People who don't have risks uh, don't see the urgency to get vaccinated. But having people who are not vaccinated does affect all of us. So having people who aren't vaccinated leaves a reservoir for the uh, virus to continue to multiply and mutate. And so we have more variants emerging. Um, As these variants emerge, um, we are concerned that we are going to get variants that are not as... um, Uh, responsive to uh, the treatments that we have for COVID, as well as to the vaccine. So having more people vaccinated, there's less chance of these variants emerging and affecting and undermining all of the great things that we're doing. Let's talk about the side effects. Uh, We got a number of texts from people who said that their kids uh, getting this vaccine, it concerned them what kind of side effects they might have. Sure. Well, with the Pfizer approval um, that you just referenced, um, they did look at side effects for the kids. And so the kids were having the same sort of side effects that we've heard from uh, adults. So the soreness of the arm, some have uh, fevers, um, some have some uh, achiness as well. Uh, These things are just transient and they do go away. When they looked at the kids within the studies, um, I think they had a little bit more fever than the adults, but that's pretty typical with kids with vaccines, but didn't see any more severe or different side effects than the adults. And as you know, we've had, um, oh goodness, a hundred million people who have received vaccines. What about other vaccines? Because I'm also hearing from parents whose kids, you know, are just getting their regular vaccines. What is the um, recommendation between a COVID-19 vaccine and another routine vaccine a a young person may get? So for right now, the recommendation is uh, 
There shouldn't be another vaccine within two weeks of the COVID vaccine. Um, again, just because uh, we haven't had experience where we're combining it, we know that when kids get vaccines, they can get several of them together at the same time. But right now, the recommendation is to wait two weeks um, uh, after getting another vaccine before you get your COVID vaccine and vice versa. All right. So another thing we hear a lot from our listeners is they, they say they're not comfortable with the fact that this vaccine is emergency use authorization. Their concern is that it seems rushed and that there hasn't been adequate time to know if there's actually going to be serious you know, issues down the line. When you hear things like that, what is the response you have? Well, a few responses. Um, the first one is in terms of uh, the trials that the, these vaccines underwent, it, it's the same as the trials that we do for anything. So they have the three phases of clinical trials. In the trial for the vaccines, um, specifically for Pfizer and Moderna, um, they had 40,000 people um, that uh, they tested these with, which is much larger than we normally do for anything that we've had. Um, the reason for the emergency use authorization is we're in a pandemic right now and we need to get people vaccinated, usually for the full approval. Um, they continue with uh, getting six months worth of uh, uh, data after uh, proving that the vaccines are safe and effective. Pfizer has already submitted for the full authorization, so they're working through that process now. But the reason for cutting through the red tape um, in terms of a approval um, is to get these out there um, while we're in the middle of a pandemic and we really need to have some tools in there to get us past it. Now, in response to that, though, people will say, well, we don't know. There's no way to know for sure. There's absolutely no way to know for sure that in 5, 10, 15 years, bad things aren't going to happen. Is it impossible to know? Um. Sure. I mean, we don't, we can't know about 15 years um, down the line, but what we do know is that when you receive these vaccines, um, you get the vaccine and your body makes an immune response. The vaccine is then gone from you. You don't have um, any vaccine components re remaining in you to cause other um, effects that are going on. What we also know is that some people, even with mild COVID, do have what they call uh, long-term COVID. And so um, these are evident in uh, older people, but even in younger people, we have seen um, uh, heart issues later on, um, problems with memory and uh, um, uh, sometimes with uh, other symptoms that they may have long-term. And so we know that COVID has uh, long-term symptoms um, and side effects for some people. Um, so those are things that we absolutely know. We know that there's nothing left in you after the vaccine uh, stimulates your immune system. And so um, the benefits, um, uh, I think we all feel, way outweigh the um, possible risks, especially knowing that that vaccine is gone from your system in a short period of time. Now, if I had COVID-19 or someone does, how long should the wait be until they get this vaccine? I guess there have been some uh, some confusion over that. So 
Um, once you've recovered from COVID and you're no longer in the infectious stage, you could get the vaccine right away. And it's recommended because we know with the vaccine you have a good, reliable immune response that um, seems to be at least, least uh, this far um, pretty long-lasting. So we definitely recommend that. Now, if you had COVID and you had to have some of the treatments like the convalescent plasma or the monoclonal antibody therapy, we recommend that you wait 90 days before you get the vaccine. And that's because um, those treatments uh, give you antibodies uh, to clear that um, COVID virus. And so those will be circulating in you for a while. And so we're not sure how well you'll mount an immune response when you have those therapies in place. So uh, um, as long as you didn't get one of those therapies, as soon as you're recovered and no longer infectious, it's recommended that you get the vaccine. We have heard from people who are hesitant, who had COVID, who say, I have a natural immunity because I had COVID that I don't need the vaccine. Um, how would you respond to that? So, again, with the natural immunity, we have um, looked at the antibody titers for people who had uh, natural COVID as well as those who've had the vaccine. So the vaccine um, produces a higher level of immunity. Um, we know that um, there are some cases of people who have had COVID and have been reinfected. Those um, numbers are small, but we know that the vaccine gives you a reliable high titer of anti um, uh, antibodies and that um, uh, should uh, give you more protection. And then, of course, we are concerned about, um, uh, you know, the variants that uh, are um, circulating and, you know, again, getting more people vaccinated as soon as we can uh, should decrease the emergence of those variants. We are talking with Pennsylvania Physician General Dr. Denise Johnson. Uh, Dr. Johnson, states have been significantly reducing the amount of the vaccine. So for the people who have been putting it off, my question is, is it going to get harder to get it eventually? Well, no, I don't think that's going to be an issue because I think that most states now are changing their strategies. Once we had um, the high throughput vaccination clinics to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we can. Now that we see that um, we've uh, satisfied a lot of that demand, most states are taking vaccine closer to people. So uh, more uh, primary care physicians and um, uh independent pharmacies in your communities, but also looking at some unusual places. And some have uh, done vaccinations in malls and other areas, certainly reached out to people who are homebound or in um, uh, other living situations to make sure that the vaccine then is more convenient. So we're taking vaccine out in smaller quantities uh, to get them closer to people so that um, uh, we are reaching people who are not able to get to those large uh, vaccination clinics. All right. So some of these questions came from listeners who've texted in multiple times, but people say, what happened to the flu? The flu numbers are way down this year and COVID keeps spreading. What is the reason? Is, is it proof that masks work or masks don't work? Well, I think that um, it shows that the, the strategies that we've taken to uh, avoid disinfectious uh, virus are the same sort of strategy. 
strategies that work for the flu. So people have been uh, doing a lot more hand hygiene than they were. Um, they are masking. Um, they are socially distancing. We always knew that those sort of um, uh, measures would help uh, to decrease the flu, but those are not things that we have done on a large scale before. Um, we also know that COVID is um, highly infectious. and. I think during the pandemic, we learned a lot more about COVID, but um, I think uh, we didn't appreciate early on um, how much it spreads uh, um, airborne and how much being in an in indoor um, place that doesn't have much ventilation really can contribute to the spread of COVID. Um, so we have a very infectious uh, virus here, um, and so that uh, taking some of these measures really have decreased the flu, but, um, you know, again, uh, COVID has has been a challenge, but I I know for sure that the measures that we've taken, masking, uh, social distancing, have lessened the impact that we could have had with COVID if we didn't have any of those things in place. We are talking with Pennsylvania Physician General Dr. Denise Johnson. This is a big question that we get, especially now with the 12 to 15, even 16 to 18-year-olds. Uh, for women of childbearing age, there are allegations the COVID vaccine could mess up the menstrual cycle. There are even some who say it can make you infertile. Can you, can you address that? Absolutely. So first of all, all of the um, COVID vaccines that are available here in the United States do not have any COVID. And so um, you cannot, you don't have any, um, uh, you can't get COVID or you can't spread COVID um, from the vaccine. So that's, um, you know, that's certainly one point. Um, the other point is in terms of messing up your menstrual period. Um, any woman knows that any stress on your body um, can affect your period. So mounting an immune response, whether to this vaccine or something else, very common to have an irregular cycle um, that does not affect your fertility in any way. And um, by the way, I'm an OBGYN physician, so this is very <laughs> dear to my heart. Um, the other thing is in terms of um, uh, uh, fertility. Um, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, as well as the American Society for um, Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and the um, Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, all recommend um, vaccine for pregnant women and women who um, may become pregnant. As I said before, um, there is nothing of the vaccine that's left in your system. It stimulates your immune response, but then there's no vaccine remnant that's left in there to to affect you going forward. So um, all of these societies feel very strongly that pregnant women should be afforded the vaccine. Um, you know, we want to have everyone uh, protected and um, pregnancy is certainly a vulnerable time. Now I wanna ask a couple quick ones here, rapid fire, I guess. These are things we hear conspiracy theory-esque stuff. Uh, Will the vaccine change people's DNA? No, um, that's the uh, the short answer. Absolutely not. Um, again, um, as I said, it stimulates your immune response, but there's not something in there that's going to be affecting your DNA. Okay, I'm sorry I'm asking this one, but will they put a chip in you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they absolutely will not put a chip in you. There's no chip uh, in this uh, vaccine, and um, so no. And I think that you know people are concerned about being tracking, but I think all of us carry around a tracking device all the time. Our phone has more information on us than uh, anything else could. So um, no, there's not a chip in there. 
All right. This would, I guess, is going to require a slightly longer answer. <laughs> okay. We hear criticisms. Often the word lying gets thrown into this about the CDC or Dr. Fauci, some of their advice. They say it's changed. They can't keep their story straight over the course of this pandemic. Should that make, should the changing answers and changing recommendations make us question what they recommend? Absolutely not. Um, all of us know that, um, you know, this was called a novel coronavirus. So that, um, you know, when we first heard about it, um, there's so much information that we didn't know. We've got scientists uh, throughout the United States and all across the world who have been working on this diligently um, uh, for over a year. And um, as we get more information, there's more things that we find out that we didn't know before. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, we did not know um, uh, how much this was spread um, airborne. Um, we did not know uh, that the mass actually decreased, um, especially for asymptomatic people, um, the amount of virus that you're shedding and therefore how much virus is, is um, you know, spreading to infect other people. So this has been an evolving process, and so that uh, I think that people should realize that, you know, in the beginning, last year, this time, you know, there's so much that we didn't know, but as we get more information, then we should be changing. And uh, I think you should be very suspect of um, people who have limited information, and that doesn't change, um, their perspective doesn't change when they get more information. So, yes, this has been an evolving process um, for all of us, and we have learned more things, and we've learned things that, um, you know, that we thought were so that uh, turned out to not be as important. So, you know, this is, is normal for something that's new. Uh, as you incorporate new information, then you may have to change your tactics. All right, uh, for those who do get the vaccine, what are the chances that you still could get COVID and can you spread it? So, you know, again, I think a lot of that is evolving, but I think that a couple of weeks ago of the, um, you know, uh, 100 million people who have gotten um, uh, vaccines, uh, I think it was estimated uh, a little over 9,000 um, had uh, um, been positive for COVID. Now, um, I'm sure that uh, that's undercounting a little bit because some people may get COVID and not have any symptoms and so not notice at all. Um, what we do know is that um, this uh, vaccine, these vaccines in terms of their effectiveness has been tremendous um, compared to anything that we've ever had in terms of safety. You know, again, knowing that, you know, 100 million people have gotten these vaccines, you know, the safety profile, again, compared to anything that we've ever had in the past is, is, is phenomenal. So, um, yes, um, there are going to be some cases of COVID. Yes, there will be some hospitalizations. But if you look at 9,000 cases um, and, uh, you know, the cases of um, hospitalizations, even less, out of 100 million, um, you know, that's a, an outstanding safety profile. And when they do, if they do contract it, it's obviously uh, the illness is uh, much, much uh, less severe in most cases. It is um, much less severe, um, much less uh, hospitalizations and ICU, and um, you know, ultimately death um, w would be what we're concerned about. But again, we know that um, having these vaccines, even recently, we've seen that you know, um, the over age 65, a lot of those people have been vaccinated, and so the new cases that we're seeing of COVID 
are in younger people and children, um, and so that those are the ones who hadn't been vaccinated um, to that level to this point. So we can see in real-world examples that the vaccine is working. Okay, so a uh, final question here, and this is more, did we miss anything? Is there anything we didn't ask that you really want to bring up because maybe you're sick of answering it or you just... You know, people need to know this information. Well, I think people need to know that the vaccines are very, very safe. And compared to anything, even things that we do that are non-vaccine and medications that we take, these are extremely safe. We know that they're extremely effective. And even in the studies that they did with, um, uh, with the kids to get their approval for Pfizer, the kids who got the vaccine, none of them got COVID. Um, the ones that uh, were in the other arm of the study, um, uh, they had cases of COVID. So, you know, their conclusion is that this is highly, highly effective um, in the uh, kids' age group and, of course, in the adults as well. So it's safe um, and it's effective. And getting more people vaccinated is going to get us back to where we um, close to where we were. So we'll be able to see friends, we'll be able to do things, we'll be able to be in groups of people. And if we have enough people vaccinated, even in groups of people who, um, for some reason, are not able to get vaccinated, um, we'll still be able to feel safe. So um, the vaccine does protect you, each individual, and the people that are close around you, but it, uh, it protects other people as well. So you know, I would say that, um, again, these are safe, they're effective, and um, we've got real-world experience with hundreds of millions of um, uh, people who've gotten this vaccine or these vaccines, and um, it really can get our lives back, and I know that we're all ready for that. Yes, we are. We've been talking with Dr. Denise Johnson, Pennsylvania's Physician General. Thank you so much for taking the time to answer our questions this morning. We really appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you.